When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so glad to be able to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with information, with advice, guidance that empowers you so you can take that information like a booster shot and make better financial decisions in your life. And plain fact, we can't get to every question submitted, not even close. So we have a service that's been around for 31 years for free, answering your questions one-on-one. It's the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. And they're available for you Monday through Friday to talk to you one-on-one and to see how to get this advice that is both free and priceless at the same time. Go to clark.com slash CAC. So in today's episode, we're an Austin Powers movie. Gold. I forget what what was that character's name, but how he was all about the gold. Anyway, it goes through waves where people will ask me a lot about gold or silver or whatever. They don't get really quiet for a while. And then they come back and they ask more about particularly gold. Then there were all kinds of stories all over the news media, television, podcasts, websites, Radio, you name it, it was like one of those low-hanging fruit stories that really caught people's imagination that Costco.com periodically is selling ounces of gold. And every time they get another supply of gold and they put it for sale at Costco.com, it sells out in minutes. So do I want you to buy gold that way? Do I even want you to buy gold? We're going to talk about that. And we've had a lot of conversations about subscription creep. Streaming services, for the first time ever, people are not just paying the bills. People are actually dumping streaming services. And we're going to be talking about why, how you should make decisions about what you stream to your television. And also we're going to talk about free trials. Oh, do I hate free trials of anything? But I digress. Time to talk gold. Okay. So what is gold for? Other than jewelry, gold is a hedge against bad times. Nobody buys gold as an investment. Gold is not an investment. Silver is not an investment. Precious metals are not an investment. People hold them as a store of value against devaluation of traditional government currencies, worries about the world, all of that. And so in times of great worry in the world, gold and other precious metals tend to rise. And in times when people feel more tranquil, then the value goes down. 
they are not an investment. Why are they not an investment? Because other than making jewelry, gold has no return on investment. If you invest in a company, you're hoping that they will take that money, provide a product or service to the marketplace, be able to make a profit on that, and ultimately you make money through the stock going up or the dividends it generates. And generally, you know, my way of investing in index funds or exchange-traded fund equivalents is you're owning little pieces of thousands of companies. You're betting on the enlightened self-interest of a capitalist to put money into something as an entrepreneur or as a free enterpriser and provide something the marketplace wants and be able to make money on it. Okay, so gold, precious metals, that's not the role they play. Is it bad to own them? No, but only as a part of what you do as that hedge. Is something that is uh, that old expression, port in a storm. It's not an investment. That's very important. So having gold that is physical gold, there's a buy-sell spread. Less of a spread buying the gold from Costco than normal, which is why people grabbed onto it. But you got to buy it. You have the spread on it. So when you go to sell it, you lose some money on that spread because you're going to get less for it than what the buyer is paying for it. And so gold is something that I like to be held in electronic form, not in physical form. Same thing with silver and other precious metals. So I've been a big fan of funds where you don't have the buy-sell spreads to worry about. You don't have to worry about storing it. You don't have to worry about somebody stealing your physical gold. You know, there are times you'll hear about these thefts where somebody's gold gets stolen. So if you want to have some gold or precious metals, fine. My preference is electronic versus actual physical. But again, not an investment. Remember the purpose of it is a hedge against scary stuff. Krista? Okay, Jennifer in South Carolina says, my college-age daughter wants to know why borrowing money and making payments that, quote, you can afford is so bad. She sees it as a way to get nice things. She wants to know why she should wait when she can enjoy those nice things now. We're a family that avoids all debt. I've always taught my kids that debt is bad. However, I really struggled with an answer that she could relate to. Please help. She's about to graduate college and will be on her own soon. I wish I knew your daughter's name and I would talk straight to camera as I'm talking on microphone. You can show her the YouTube clip. Jennifer. Okay, here's the story. And here's the way I would explain it. When you borrow money to buy whatever, you're paying average 21% interest. So if instead you save money till you can afford to pay for something, you're buying it much cheaper because you're not losing purchasing power by paying all that interest. Nobody ever got rich paying Visa or MasterCard 21% interest. In fact, you end up poorer. You end up with less buying power. She likes things. She can have more things if she takes her time and pays cash for them, because then she's not paying the toll that's put up in the interest you have to pay to the credit card company. Now, if she's gotten into this whole pay and for thing and she feels like, well, I'm not paying any interest, mom. 
Ha! What happens is so many people who do pay in four can't get the payments done in four. They don't get them paid on time. They mess up their credit if they report to a bureau. They may start dealing with a debt collector. And there are fines and penalties and all the rest that are equivalent to interest that you end up with with pay in four. So I think the real way you can take the values you've tried to instill in your kids, if she's not hearing that message, instead what you say, well, you like things, you could have more things if you save for them first because you don't have the expense involved with the borrowing. That would be how I'd explain it. You can earn interest as you're saving too. That's completely right. But I'm just trying to get her past paying interest on the borrowing. Carol in Michigan says, we just received a letter from our homeowner's insurance policy informing us they would be adding two items to our policy when it renews, identity theft and cyber liability. They included two small one-page pamphlet-style papers with brief descriptions of the items. The cyber liability appears to be intended for businesses. That was odd as our policy is for home coverage and we are not business owners. Also included was a letter indicating that if we didn't want these to be added to our policy, we would need to fill out and return a form to them, verifying that we didn't want these policies added. We have two questions. Are either of those items something that we should consider adding to our policy? And does our insurance company even have the right to add items to our policy without getting our permission in advance? We've never encountered this situation before. Those are called negative options. I despise negative options. The insurer finds that writing these two kinds of insurance is very profitable for them. They're not getting enough take up from customers. So they're saying, okay, we're going to make them negative option. And so they know that maybe one in a hundred people will pay attention, then take the extra step that you're going to take, fill out that form and delete it. Now, negative options on insurance may or may not be legal because insurance is regulated by the state. So if you call the Michigan Department of Insurance on their consumer line, you could ask them. Is our insurer allowed to just add optional things to the policy without us choosing to want them? And then we've got to do something to not have to pay for them. It may be that they are, in fact, violating the laws of the state of Michigan, or they may just not know they're violating, or Michigan may be silent on this and allow an insurer to play dirty tricks. So once you think about this, An insurer that thinks it's a good idea to rip off its own customers by throwing in stuff that you then have to fight to not pay for is an insurer that when the chips are down may not care about you either. That is, I would be so annoyed if I had to fill out a form too. That is ridiculous. You hate paperwork. Miranda in Utah says, I'm 27, single, and thoroughly sick of renting and having roommates. I estimate I could get a tiny house for $100,000 total, $50,000 for the used tiny house and $50,000 for land with utilities, $10,000 for moving and other expenses. I've looked into building my own small house on a foundation or doing a prefab, but that's not as cost effective as I thought. Shockingly expensive a lot of times. Yeah, two hundred dollars to $250,000 for 500 square feet. Equity is important, but even with roommates, I could barely afford a $375,000 house or townhouse, and I don't need a three-bedroom house anyway. Also, I'm already throwing money away each month for rent, $800 a month to live with roommates, $1,500 a month to live alone. What's the difference between that and just buying and owning a tiny house? 
I figure if I buy a tiny house used, I can avoid much of the depreciation, sell it later if necessary to recoup some costs, and have equity in the land I purchase. I have no debt, an emergency fund, and retirement accounts, and $60,000 to use for a down payment. I'd love to hear your advice and any ideas you have. All right. So you are someone who wants to build up net worth and do it as efficiently as you possibly can. You live in Utah, I assume, with the ability for you to buy land. Uh, the amount you said is so affordable compared to most places in the country right now. That's phenomenal. Okay, so people are approaching this two ways. First, with the tiny home. You can find on YouTube, if you do Clark Howard Tiny Home, you'll find a story I did on the television affiliates I do TV for every day. I did a story about a woman who was from Washington who moved to Atlanta and she bought a unfinished building that was kind of like almost like a shed bought it for if I remember right 10 grand then paid a contractor to finish it out had a very low in total cost and it's a very nice efficiency if you will that she has with a nice bathroom a little kitchenette a loft in it, all the rest, she spent very little money for it. The quicker way so many people are doing what you're talking about is they're buying a used RV and they're having it towed to their their site, wherever you would buy this land, putting it in place, connecting utilities to it, and living in it, and then maybe eventually building a prefab on the land or something else. But it's a way that you can buy a a used RV very inexpensively, live in it, uh, equivalent in size to a tiny home, and meet your financial goals moving forward. It's not for everybody. A lot of people would feel crowded in or whatever. But either of these strategies makes sense. I'm stunned at how the tiny home movement has grown to the point that the prices of tiny homes is the tiny homes basically have gentrified are no longer cheap. And it's very common. It's a quarter million bucks as people have in one or more. So that's why being creative is really important for you to meet those financial goals you have. And coming up ahead, talk about money going out the window. In subscriptions right now, number one area that you can have an impact here in 24 and getting your finances more under control is attacking subscriptions. We're going to talk about that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. 
Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I was really, really interested in the fact that more and more Americans for the first time are turning off in serious numbers the subscriptions they have to video streaming services. What happened was something I've shared with you before. The industry was in a California 1849 gold rush kind of mentality. They were all trying to establish themselves. And they were losing, I mean, billions of dollars. I mean, not millions, billions at these companies. Collectively, I can't even imagine how many billions all the streaming services have lost. And so now they're like, oh, well, that didn't work. And so there's a shakeout period going on. The companies have way cut back on the number of productions they're doing. And they're raising prices through the roof. The reality is we went through a time period where as viewers, we have a real need to send thank you cards to the stockholders of all these streaming services because they were heavily subsidizing all the video content that was available to us. That is passed over. And it's bill shock when you see what they're going up to. My middle child and I were having a conversation just a couple of weeks ago about how Hulu has run up prices so much that it's just mind-blowing how much more it is than it used to be. And even the Hulu with commercials is more than Hulu used to be without commercials. And Hulu without commercials is a fortune. I mean, it's not like a car payment, but it's a lot of money. This is true with, you can name one service after another after another. And so people have been woken up out of that slumber they go through with streaming services and with any subscription, and they're actually disconnecting them. That's why I ask you to do. Actually, look at your bills. And when you say, oh, I forgot I had Paramount, or I forgot I had Hulu, or I forgot I had Peacock, or what, I forget all the names of all of them. But people don't even remember. If you can't remember the last time you watched a streaming service, cancel it. Cancel it. And be very wary about how you sign up for one. Because now you can go on Roku and you can sign up for various streams. And then you go to disconnect it and you you can't find your membership because you actually did it through third party. Somebody like Roku. So... Be intentional about this. And I know, I know that you're going to hate me saying this. Watch some ads. That's right. Go to the ad-supported versions of these things because it will save you so much money. You know, in the days when people used to watch traditional television, think about what you could do during commercials. You could go get a snack. You go to the bathroom, you do whatever, you didn't miss anything. Now you watch one of these services without commercials, 
When do you ever get to go to the bathroom? I mean, when do you get to go raid the refrigerator, watch the ads, and save the money? Now, in terms of subscriptions, though, the other thing is how companies make it so hard to cancel. There's a big lawsuit right now between the state of New York and SiriusXM. Because you talk to people about trying to cancel SiriusXM, it's a joke. And they do everything they can, and all their employees are taught to never let you cancel. People post funny stories about that, but it's not really funny. What we really need, we need a requirement, it would have to be by regulation or law, probably law, that gives you the same procedure to cancel something as you signed up for it. That seems pretty simple to me. I think the state or two has tried to do that now. But the reality is, if you can sign up in a second, you should be able to cancel in a second, whatever it is. But please, not just streaming, go through your bills. See what you're paying. See if you're using it. See what you're paying for that thing. Can you get it cheaper? Cell phones. I just talked earlier this week about the incredible deal being offered by the Verizon discount arm called Visible, where you can get an unlimited everything cell phone plan for 20 bucks a month for the next two years. 20 bucks a month, including unlimited data. What are you paying right now? Think about that. It's your money. You multiply out what you pay for something per month. Figure out what it is per year. If you can cut it in half, cut it by two-thirds, think about what that does for your finances. That's why this is a real danger to your wallet. So easy to sign up for things. So easy to forget they're there. And just pay it as if you're supposed to. What you're supposed to do is lower the prices and get rid of what you're not using. Okay. Was that too preachy? I don't think so. I have to say I was excited. I got that Hulu deal, the Asan Clark deals last late last year. It was $12 for the year to watch the commercial to have the commercial version, but I have it on my calendar when I'm going to cancel it. <laughs> and do you watch Hulu at all? Yeah, I've been watching. There's some shows I had wanted to watch that are only on Hulu. And so when I saw that deal, I was like, okay, that's worth it. I can watch all these series and then that's it. So my TV goes dark next month. Oh, no. After the Super Bowl. Oh, for you, yeah. I'm done. I mean, it's like there's nothing for me to do. I, You know, we'll probably watch some fast. You know what fast is? No. Free ad-supported television. Oh. <laughs> All these streaming services that you don't pay a monthly fee for mm-hmm. that show shows from 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, that's fine for me because okay. I really don't care about television. All right. M in Colorado says, I listen to your podcast during my workout just about every day. My question is, I became an accidental landlord in 2022 with an interest rate of 1.99%. Oh, <laughs> your territory. Yes, I'm in the military. Do I need an accountant for my taxes? I also own a second home, which is my primary residence. I bought it in 2023. The tax person I spoke with from another podcast says he can save me thousands of dollars. I don't like feeling helpless. Isn't there a book I can read to be as smart as these tax experts for my one tax filing purpose? So first of all, thank you so much for your service to our country. I am grateful to you for putting your life on the line for our freedom. Thank you. Second, for you, as you are trying to figure out what to do with how to handle the taxes on this home, 
this is a case where tax prep software with the situation you have may be sufficient. The tax prep software is written to be able to deal with a rental property. But here's how I would make the decision. What you do is you shadow this. You hire a CPA who does tax or an enrolled agent. An enrolled agent is somebody who is registered with the IRS as a tax expert. And uh, an enrolled agent will generally be cheaper than a CPA who does tax. And you let them take a stab at it. And you also do a shadow return on your own using tax prep software. And that will be a way for you to see, and a one-year experiment may not be sufficient, but it'll be a way for you to see, do you really have this handled with how to properly depreciate this rental property, what deductions you're allowed to take with it, having it on the, the right schedules, know that the tax software did it or didn't do it as well as an enrolled agent or a CPA who does tax. My guess is the not including the cost of paying for tax prep will make it worth it, you hiring a CPA who does tax or an enrolled agent. But I'd like you to put them head to head, whatever popular tax software you want to buy, and you should have a good answer. Mike in Ohio says, Clark, I wanted to warn your listeners about a scam that almost fooled me. I received a voicemail from, in quotes, Spectrum, telling me the promotion on my wireless plan was about to expire, which it actually was, and that if I called them, I could extend the offer. I called the 800 number on there, and it connected me to a 100% authentic, in quotes, Spectrum phone menu. I was connected to a representative who asked my name, service address, and the PIN associated with my account. I found those to be reasonable questions. He put me on hold to review my account. After about two minutes, he came back and advised me of my current monthly charges, which were the exact amounts I pay. He said that I could continue with the 50% discount if I were to pay six months upfront. He said he could accept payment today. I asked if there was a way I could sign up on the website. He said no. I told him no thanks. I contacted Spectrum via chat on their website and they advised me this was a known scam. I had them change my pin immediately. Thank you so much for sharing this. It makes you a member of our team, making your fellow listener or viewer aware. The scams are getting so good. And one thing, Mike, I don't think it was just a UFO call hoping you were a Spectrum customer. There have been so many data breaches. They probably knew that. Uh, You may have been part of the massive Equifax data breach of years ago. They may have access to so much information about you. Having a phone tree that sounds identical to Spectrum, not a surprise. What I say is never place a call to a number that comes to you in a text or email or voicemail. You always look up the phone number yourself if you're going to place a call on your bill, if you have it paper form or electronically. You don't want to accept at face value whatever someone says. You also don't do a Google search for the customer service number at any company. They are overwhelmingly fake. So I don't want you to be cynical. I don't want you to be paranoid. I just want you to be prepared. And once that criminal had your phone number, your address, your PIN, they had the keys to the kingdom at Spectrum. Thank goodness you figured it out and stopped them before any damage could occur. 
Okay, and here's another one from Mark in Florida. I've been listening to your podcast for years and feel very in tune with being able to identify scams that might come to your phone via text or voice. I recently received a letter in the mail from our mortgage company advising that I had an escrow overage payment of $310.83, but if I didn't fill out a form, the money would be turned over to the state within 30 days. There was a number to call on the form and an address to mail the form back to. I almost filled out the letter, but logically, if they have my correct address, which is the address on file with the mortgage company, why wouldn't they have just sent a check? I logged into my mortgage account and saw no overage or account message on the website. I started researching this address and noticed that the address from the form was associated with an Airbnb scam and other businesses also reported to watch out for this scam. I haven't heard you mention scams via mail recently, but this one looked legit. Spread the word. You are a national treasure, Clark Howard. You're a national treasure. They were referring to you. No, they're. Definitely, Mark was talking about no, you. No, Mark was talking about you, Chris. You are a national You're treasure. You're the national treasure. Stop anyway. It. Continue. Uh, I want to thank <laughs> I want to thank you as well for being a member of our team and alerting people that scams can, I, I talked about email, phone, text, you add physical mail. That's unusual because the cost involved for a criminal to prepare those documents and pay postage to send them. And again, the same rule applies that you don't respond to any information in a communication you receive. You have to make sure that it is the actual organization. The easiest way to do so is sign into your account. So I'm really glad that both of you took the time to not only tell us, but that both of you avoided being scammed when they had you pretty much you know, in the fish hook. They mm-hmm. had you. And you were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something reminded you, this doesn't sound right. So when you go to the source and you sign in to the website of an organization, pretty quickly you'll be able to tell if there really is something going on or not. And the first one with the idea that, oh, just pay us six months up front and you're going to save all that money, that is a version of a scam that's been around for a while. And anytime somebody says, hey, hey, we got this opportunity for you. Pay us all this money. And uh, by the way, you're going to pay us by PayPal or you're going to pay us by Venmo or Cash App or Big Bad Sell or something like that. Anything like that, that's when you know, wait a minute, because you were just a nanosecond away from having your money take a one-way trip without the ability to recover. So thank you both for, again, making your fellow listener or viewer careful, not cynical. And thank you so much for joining us today. I hope the rest of your day is absolutely great.